This is The Paul List, daily analysis and critical engagement with comics and culture. I'm Two Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. Every day I dialogue with a comic book. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and teacher and preacher. So I always try to be analytical. Sometimes I get a little philosophical. Sometimes I get a little bit spiritual. But since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for 20 minutes, I do get into the details, so I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from a retailer or get it digitally. Yes, that is a spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. It's Saturday. June 25th. Uh, Saturday is the Saturday Super Friend when I pick a DC book and I talk about, um, you know, what I see in that DC book. Uh, quite a time to start talking about DC. Um, the book today is Flash number one, written by Joshua Williamson, art by, um, uh, <laughs> I actually know how to say his, his last name. I just forgot his first name. Carmine, uh, Dijon Comenico. Uh, color by Ivan Placencia. And um, uh, this is the first issue of Flash, but not the Flash Rebirth issue. Um, And just by stating that fact, I know that some of you may have already zoned out. (laughs) Listen, uh, I keep up with DC Comics. Uh, I know many who don't, and I understand completely why they don't. Uh, It's really hard to... um, have this image of these heroes that are sort of, um, uh, you know, plastered in, uh, in eternal archetypes, and then to approach comic books where you never know what's going on unless you've been versed in the last however many years of DC history. <laughs> I think that's what I've heard it feels like sometimes to pick up a DC comic book and to start reading it from scratch. And so understandably, people have turned to other companies. Uh, I think Marvel's actually done a better job of making their their heroes and their stories approachable to an outsider. Um, but have turned to other places, you know, like the TV shows and like the movies, which uh, I think the TV shows have done a heck of a job of selling these characters and what is it about them that is so unchangingly appealing, uh, even though when you try to read one of the comic books you have no idea what's going on um sometimes i don't have any idea what's going on and i'm paying attention so you really can't be blamed uh but if you have kept dc comics at arm's length it's not for their lack of at least uh trying to draw you in um serialized comic books and the kind of uh you know continuity dependent world building that they do that they've done um as a kind of unique thing in the whole history of storytelling you know these this is you could think of it as a kind of continuous story that's been going on since action comics number one you know for uh, however many years now 75 or whatever years that comics have superhero comics have been in existence uh <laughs> huge amounts of effort of of storytelling gymnastics done to try to make all of this cohere into a history to uh well to 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 deal with the crisis 
Let's see what I did there. <laughs> the crisis of keeping a story going or keeping a, a world, a universe, many universes of stories going and connected to one another for so long. All right, here's the thing about you know the superhero comic universes and why they end up so complicated. It's partly because superheroes um, f inspire such devotion and you invest in their stories, as you do with any kind of story, and you invest in the things that happen to the side characters, to your Jimmy Olsen's and your Lois Lane's, or your Wally West's and your your um, your Barry Allen's, let's say. And you, you invest and care about the characters, and then to see them... Uh, you know, to, to see them go through all of these ups and downs of their narratives and then to experience having those histories and legacies wiped out is, is very, is, you know, can feel traumatic to a person who's invested, maybe let's be honest and say over-invested in this, in this fictional world, in these fictional human beings. Um, but it's always incumbent on comic book companies to try to appeal to new readers to try to draw in more people. And so they're always trying to do um, what people sometimes derisively talk about as rebooting or relaunching. Um, derisively because it just seems like, you know, you gave the boot to, to all of the faithful readers who've been following the story and learning about the characters and finding out all about all these, you know, little uh, debates going on and, and this this uh you know this dramatic history and and this tragedy in the past and that person's resentment they've spent all these years accumulating all this knowledge and expertise about issue 321 and you know that stray word that made that character angry and built into a resentment and there were all of that and so often what the companies realize is wow our stories really exist for the few who've hung with us this far we're going to have to start over from scratch. Uh, the way that superhero comics have wrestled with that um, tension between making themselves intelligible and welcoming for new readers and then maintaining the devotion of past readers um, is very much what is going on right now in DC Comics. What happened is, uh, for those who don't know, five years ago, DC launched an initiative called the New 52 where... Um, in spite of what I just said as the committed passions of readers and their following of all these crises and all these major, you know, events that were meant to try to reconcile multiple timelines and multiple earths and all that. Uh, they decided that DC decided they wanted to be able to start from scratch. Every issue, number one, your Batman, your Superman, your action comics, your Flash, your Green Lantern, your Green Arrow, so that readers could come in fresh and if you didn't have a ton of background with these characters, that you could, you know, pick it up uh, right there. And um, and it was an exciting initiative. It was profitable, at least at first. And uh, I think some of the books, you know, lasted till the end as uh, successes. Uh, but more, far more of them uh, soon, you know, either de degraded in quality or, or didn't really spark from the outset. And so, although... The relaunch was a success, I think, in, in time. DC has seen its market share and its um, influence in the, you know, in, in a terrain that really they, they ought to dominate since they have the probably the three most well-known heroes or, or really among, three of the, I don't know, top five most well-known heroes in uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in their stable. 
not to mention characters like Green Lantern, and uh, oh yeah, Flash. Now Flash has an interesting role in all of this, um, you know, theater when it comes to rebooting the universe because oftentimes since at least crisis on infinite earth no actually since at least i mentioned in the last episode the the issue of flash that first introduced the uh notion of multiple earths where the flash of the silver age barry allen uh you know uh has been a fan of the flash of the golden age jay garrick you know the one with a sort of bowl on his head <laughs> and the uh the t-shirt uh so he's been a fan of 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 jay garrick in the comic books and he becomes flash and then in you know flash i think it's 123 he runs so fast that he manages to break through some dimensional barrier or something like that winds up in the old golden age flash's world where where he in fact is real and exists and in, and i always think of that as you know we talk about breaking the fourth wall where where you know characters in a story enter into the audience's world i feel like they broke the fifth wall you know the fifth wall between uh uh another you know between the other universe between the the past era that you know is supposedly not part of this real story uh i realize that makes a room a pentagon uh which is rare anyway <laughs> um uh what what i think flash 123 initiated was this this possibility that okay maybe in a in a go to the newsstand and pick up the comic book and read and read the ones that are next to it in the sense of all of those experiences in different decades being entirely different worlds let's break through that barrier and wow look at the possibilities that exist i mean this would be like the marvel cinematic universe which has done this you know pretty admirable job of creating this vast interrelationship of characters and and you know weaving them together and it's really well-timed fashion introducing each one and then having the payoff when the one that was in the individual solo movie shows up in the team movie and wow look they all exist in the same world and it's so much fun and you could do that with just a few lines because you know you saw ant-man you fell in love with ant-man and ant-man shows up and just throws a couple of one-liners and and you're in you know you're excited about that well just imagine if that universe suddenly could uh, make sense of or exist in the same universe as, uh, you know, you name your favorite um, world, either your Harry Potter world or your Star Wars world or whatever, and just that synergy, uh, I hate that word, but that synergy of these multiple universes that you're excited about, being able to somehow cohere as one, you know, that's what it's like when Flash of the Silver Age suddenly makes the whole Golden Age JSA uh you know uh uh golden age era superman and and his dog and so on make them possibly exist in the same multiverse with the possibility of overlap and connection uh it's exciting for a fan uh over time in all of the you know as i said m you know storytelling gymnastics necessary to make all of that make sense and to have a reason it just becomes incredibly confusing and that's how dc comics can be well Rebirth, which is their latest, uh, <laughs> I was going to say relaunch, but I guess they, they're trying to brand a new word for it, which is a rebirth, was, is there is the recent effort in the wake of the New 52 to take some of the good things that were there in the New 52, but to bring back the world that supposedly in this event called Flashpoint, once again, Flash is at the center of many of these sort of 
universe altering multiverse altering events but so after flashpoint was the new 52 and they want to take the pre-flashpoint characters that people knew and loved and had become devoted to and they said hey what happened to them and to be able to bring them back with the new 52 characters that more recent readers have been following and to create a you know to explain why that all happened it has to do with you know uh, Watchmen as the recent release of this rebirth comic um, uh, uh, you know revealed to some controversy anyway <laughs> um, they're trying to make an explanation for why this universe this new universe that supposedly wiped out everything in the past in fact it didn't and that past is resurfacing and it has specifically resurfaced in the person of Wally West now if you're not a flash reader briefly Wally West is this is the third you know really the third flash you had uh, that Jay Garrick golden age flash with the bowl on his head you had Barry Allen who's also the one who's in the TV show these days and you know he's your um he's your first you know in the red suit flash who is the, is the crime scene investigator before we called them crime scene investigators and uh you know uh you know real real charming real real noble character uh noble to the extent that at at a point in the major event crisis on infinite earth he gives his life for the reconciling of universes and in doing so um the mantle of the flash is passed on to the character who at the time was kid flash his uh, sort of sidekick and teen titans member uh, Wally West. So Wally West became the Flash, and then there was a whole thing where Barry West came back, and then you know there's multiple Flashes, and then of course there's a million other Flash characters, Flash family associated characters. Uh, you know, there's your Max Mercury and your Jesse Quick, and uh, I'm actually naming the th third and fourth tier ones I think first, <laughs> and all kinds of uh, Flash characters. Um, I'm totally blanking on the name of the kid. <laughs> anyway, um, so. Flash, you know, throughout all of its history, has grown and expanded and expanded, um, and so. But but the one that was lost in the transition to this new Fifty Two clean slate universe was the Wally West Flash. Now, to make it even more confusing, in the new Fifty Two universe with Barry Allen, the second Flash as Flash they actually introduced a Wally West character. Um, it was similar to and different from the previous Wally West. The new Wally West was a young African-American boy, nephew of Iris West, just as the old one was. Um, but, you know, they, they had re rejiggered the character to be this young black teenager, which was cool. He's a cool character. And so you don't want to lose him. So, in fact, in this new Flash, he's still there. They kept him, you know. Wally... Black Wally West is still Wally West. But old Wally West, who has somehow been trapped in the time uh, dimensional speed force something or other, <laughs> I, I couldn't explain it to you. Uh, you know, he, he, he resurfaces, he reappears, and he starts, you know, uh, you know, manifesting to Batman and saying, hey, remember me? Don't you remember me? You know, uh, uh, it, and then, of course, it's it's the uh, it's the Barry Allen Flash who ultimately does remember him and recognize him and say, "Oh, what happened to my memories? I know this guy, but you know, I don't know how." And then suddenly, this whole jarring, you know, uh, recognition of like, "Oh, we did exist as a universe." Look, it's not it's not 
clean storytelling, <laughs> but that's not the point. What you have to understand is the point is that you're trying to appeal to those people who read in the 70s or the 90s and loved the characters and got mad that they disappeared and still appeal and make sense to the people who've been reading the last few years. And I, and, and I, I mean, I think that's the market impulse uh, impulse that's the name of the character i was trying to think of impulse anyway that's the market impulse to make the stories these stories this way but there's actually i think much more than a market impulse there is um or maybe uh, alongside the market impulse alongside the desire to reel in readers and have people buy comics is the fidelity the loyalty that people feel to characters and stories and storylines and as I was talking about yesterday in the episode about the book, The Fiction, these stories matter to us. These stories matter to people. And because they matter to people, there is a kind of politics involved, a kind of struggle involved in these characters, existing or not existing, or being or not being, who people invested in in the past. All that brings us to flash number one. It's written by Joshua Williamson, who is, a, a I think, a relatively newish writer, who um, is, you know, really arriving, has arrived on the scene. I think his, uh, my favorite work of his uh, recent is, uh, is Birthright, a book with Image Comics. Um, and the artist is, uh, is someone named Carmine de, de, uh, de Jean Comenico, uh, and he uh, is Italian, I think, um, but uh, I think he's done some work with Spider-Man. I know him from all-new X-Factor in the last Marvel run. I think he's perfect for this book. Um, I think others that I've heard from feel the same because he has the ability to draw um, with dynamism. There is uh, a really simple idea in, in drawing comics, which is that you want to be able to contrast and pick out the characters in the foreground or the midground or even the background, the, the humans from the from disappearing into the background. Some artists do this by using different line weights, and sometimes it's done with color. Um, but the most basic, I you know, the sort of the most basic uh, way that this is done with ease and clarity is that your background tends to be geometric and angular, and your uh, characters are on you know different kinds of tangent lines and curves and wrinkles and you know basically the background the our built environments uh even nature is drawn to have patterns and humans and the human anatomy is messy because it's moving and it's shuffling and it makes characters feel alive and and you know differentiate themselves from the background and i think um dejan Comenico does this really well to this to a great effect it, even when a character is standing still there's a certain um i think a limber sense that they're in motion um this sense that um the jaw lines from the jaw lines down to the uh ankle positioning gives you a sense of their their moving and you know for a character like the flash who's really premised on movement that's uh really important anyway um Ivan Placencia art also great. I won't go into detail on it. Um, the, the team does an outstanding job. In the story, what's happened is that um, Flash 
is um, confronted with the things that he's always confronted with, which is that he is uh, trying to be this crime scene investigator while also being this superhero and trying to solve multiple problems at once. And at this beginning of the story, he alludes to this thing going on with the whole rebirth thing that Wally West has appeared to him, and he makes he hints at something that I think is really significant. He talks about how much he's missed him. And what's so intriguing to me about that is that the Flash is a superhero whose power is speed. Now, how many of us in our lives don't wish that that was the power that we had when we're running late, when we're stuck in traffic, when we have 10 things to do on our to-do list? Um, and we wish that we could just turn up the fast forward turn on the fast forward button on ourselves or our lives and just charge through with you know maximum efficiency uh you know flash fulfills that fantasy in so many ways but what ends up happening with flash is that the speed at which he moves makes it so that nobody can accompany him on many of the things that he is doing and so even though he's doing so much there's a sense of you know, and this is kind of hinted at throughout flashbooks in the past. There's a sense of whether or not he is seen by anybody, recognized by anybody, real to anybody because of the speed at which he moves. Because one of the things that is always true about speed and time is that even if one thing moves uh, counter to the standard movement of time, <laughs> uh, everything else does not. And that relative difference um, makes all the difference. And that's why so many stories about freezing time or even, I mean, even basically time travel, the, the idea of bucking the rules of time and the, um, the constraints of speed is just so fascinating to us as human beings who must always deal with chronological time and are always dealing with the clock. In this issue... Um, you hear his loneliness. Uh, he's with Iris and Wally, not the old Wally, the new Wally. <laughs> and they're talking to him and saying, you know, you, you can't try to do everything at once. Um, and then he hears the sirens go off and he goes to chase the emergency. And turns out there's two things happening at once. And he's, he says, you know, here's what you have to do as a hero. You have to ch make choices. And then he decides, nah, I'm not going to make choices. I'm going to go ahead and try to solve it all, <laughs> try to solve both issues. Uh, of course, he's, he's not able to. He's not successful. And it comes at the cost of a, hero, uh, a character that is, um, I think, introduced in this book, um, who it's one of these aptonyms, you know, where the, you, somebody has a name that's just perfect who, for who they are. So this character is named August, August Hart. Uh, and I think it seems like he is a meant to be a, a, a new kind of foil, actually, and, and I think a really interesting one, which is why I'm interested in following this book, uh, to Barry Allen. It seems like Barry Allen is uh, determined to do good, but restless to, um, uh, to a degree that he becomes scientific. While August Hart is the, not the crime scene investigator, but the detective who trusts his gut, who's trying to solve, you know, some, uh, I think a murder of his brother or something like that. It's not, it's not terribly fleshed out yet, but uh, basically the end of the issue, and here's where we're seriously into spoiler world, uh, reveals that, he, you know, August Hart has somehow gotten the speed force or he's become a speedster himself. 
Now, with all of the other speedsters in the Flash world, you know, your Wally West and your Wally West and your, you know, everybody, why introduce another character who seems to have some kind of speed powers? Well, I think that every character that's introduced, every new Flash to accompany Flash, is meant to pose um, a, a thought experiment about what if you weren't the only one? What if you weren't the only one who was moving at the speed that you were and you didn't have to be alone and isolated? Um, okay, so for a trite example, it's sort of like if you had the only iPhone in the world and how cool it would be to hold that iPhone and also how disappointing it would be to not be able to use it with anyone else or to, you know, <laughs> text other people or, you know, exchange whatever, you know, app stuff <laughs> with other people because you can't Snapchat anybody because nobody else has got one, right? And I think there's something in being at a certain speed where if you're the only one at that speed, it is the most isolating thing in the world. And yet, being at that speed does something to you, changes you, changes your relationship to the world in a way that bringing others into it entails bringing them into a kind of risk, a kind of, um, a kind of different way of living in a, uh, almost a new system and new structures that are dangerous. And there's a, a philosopher named Paul Virilio. He's a French, generally called a cultural theorist, although he doesn't prefer to be called that you know, in the ilk of your Foucaults and your Derrida's and all that. Um, but Virilio is a little different, I think. One of the things that he recognized was that, you know, what characterizes our contemporary societies is, is, uh, is speed. Speed above, speed above all. Speed because the pace of military competition has made our cities um, not so much concerned with, um, you know, uh, the 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 kind of strengthening that we used to the kind of fortifying that we used to think about that was necessary, but instead, with the mobility and the um, the ability and the sort of agile flow that um, modern weaponry has inspired, and so our cities move and they have to be able to move, and um, same so it is with our lives and our and really our technologies that that they move us and that. That speed is not just a new factor, it's a condition that utterly changes everything. And anybody who has really sat and thought about the ways that lives have changed from our grandparents' generations to ours would understand and agree that um, the speed of our world today has produced new anxieties and new alienations. Uh, I don't pretend that that's what the Flash is about. <laughs> I think a lot of times the Flash is just about fun. Um, but insofar as the book reflects something about our yearnings, that whether the creators contemplate these things or not, something about our yearnings about what how we manage this world where the expectations are always at full tilt, even when we're living what seems to be a relatively idle life. Uh, the expectations are always at full tilt because our world is at full tilt. 
because the speed of our world is different. And the alienation, the isolation, the loneliness that we often feel has so much to do with the speed at which we're going relative to the speed of everyone else. And I think what Flash is trying to do as a hero is to be able to move at every speed, not just the fastest, but also the speed of the people around him that he cares about. And then to have another character who, you know, Barry seems to have a lot of affection for, um, enter into this different zone um, that is part of the intrigue that, you know, I think most of us at a gut level just be like, oh, all right, there's somebody else who can run fast. Let's see what happens. Um, those are my thoughts on Flash number one. I will be continuing to read. I gotta say, since this is the DC day, overall, I, um, uh, I, I'll, I'll be, I'm reading all of the Rebirth books, and I'm enjoying it. I'm actually really enjoying the, and I don't know if it's because I have some familiarity with a lot of characters, so if I were came coming into these fresh and new, would I still enjoy them? I don't know. I don't know. But um, I do have to admit that I, as I enjoy them, I enjoy them in mostly solitude. I can talk to my brother a little bit about them. Um, but my last comment is just that um, this is now, I think, the fifth or sh fifth time now I've, I've done this. If anybody has listened to this point, it's now, uh, you know, probably this is probably the f going into the third or fourth hour that you've been listening. If you've been following from the beginning or maybe you skipped an episode because you weren't interested in the book. And uh, my life is at a speed, uh, to speak of that, at which doing this on a daily basis is both impossible to imagine or to sustain, and maybe the only possible way that I could do something like this. In other words, I could not schedule once a week to do this conversation for three hours. That's just impossible to find in my schedule. Instead, to sneak away for 20 minutes a day, I'm now coming on 30 minutes, <laughs> for 30 minutes a day to just talk about something that's on my mind, um, it is a bit of a sanctuary. And the notion that somebody is moving at this speed with me is truly an honor. Um, so I am at Tuply on Twitter or Tuply at Gmail. Uh, reach out to me if you're listening. Uh, let's talk about comics. Keep reading.